the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Monday. Let's see. I, I blew my nose. I coughed. I'm all ready to go now. All right. It's like, it's like your body senses that it's time to go on the air. And it just waits to the last moment and says, okay, do this, do this, do this. And I'm trying to do it. I don't want to do it in your ear. All right. I just really don't. So that's uh, the bottom line. So it's uh, We had some rain last night. I don't know how much. My my wife woke up this morning as I was getting ready and said, we had a thunderstorm last night. I said, was it bad? She said, no. That's a lot of rain. She said, yeah, we got a little bit of rain. So that, But that's good. Yeah. We it's, needed it's some. getting dangerous dry. Yeah, dangerous we need dry. some rain out there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Paul Calvert is here today. I'm here. Artie Hopper, uh, and in a last-moment dodge, uh, sent me a... <laughs> Uh, a text and said, I'm sorry for the late notification, but I won't be here today. So he's not here. And so we'll, we'll, the two of us will will make do with the uh, issues that we have to talk about. And there are plenty of them. So did you watch uh, the president while he made his uh, Middle East trip or did you not pay any attention at all? I, I, I've kind of vaguely pay attention a little bit as the news went by as uh, i've heard the news on the radio and such but not a, not a whole lot there was nothing to pay attention to <laughs> nothing happened i mean it's that simple nothing happened with him being over there in in the the middle east and you know he he gave a speech while he was in israel and how much he loves israel and how much we'll stand behind i don't trust a democrat to stand behind israel as as uh, long as i walk the faces of this earth and uh, of course he's uh, he threw his weight behind the palestinians as well because they were all about a two-state solution uh, over in the middle east there's only one real state a democratic state in the middle east right now and that's israel that's it zip nada after that everybody else you know uh, there's kings and and dictators. That's what it is. And a king is, depending on how nice of a person they are, uh, uh, can be a brutal dictator as well. And you know, it's a, no big deal. Never. You know what didn't cross his his lips? The Abraham Accords. I mean, Trump did good work over in the Middle East. Uh, if you go and read what he did, if you go back and really check history, you'll find that he he did uh, he did good things for 
uh, the Middle East at that time, and uh, a lot of uh, other of those uh, other countries now uh, have granted Israel the right to exist. Imagine that. Yeah, can you imagine if if Canada said? We don't think you have a right to exist. We want to just blow you up and get rid of you off the face of the earth. Well, se- several years ago when they were under British rule, the British would have thought, well, you know, we, you, sh- you, should, be, more a, you should be British. That's more than several years well, ago. Well, it's been more yeah, than several years Yeah, well, over 200 years right. ago. So, but yeah, the British would have thought that. But. Yeah, but that's about it. That's about it. I, I got a kick out of a couple of weeks ago when we had the 4th of July, all the memes I got of uh, Queen Elizabeth saying, have a fun day, you traitors. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I laughed at that. Uh, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Because, you know, if you go over to England on the 4th of July, it's not a holiday over there. It's them. not a holiday over there. They're not firing off fireworks. Uh, you know, they, they probably ought to be because of what we did for them during World War II. Well, but they've done good things for us as well. So, you know, bottom line, they have been a good ally, you know, now. Uh, the way things, yeah. See, the French started off as a good ally, mm, and, you know, the rest of the way out. You know how that goes. All right. So, uh, what are the big stories that occurred over the weekend besides that one? Uh, and that was the president. Fin- well, he's back in Washington now. He finished up. What did he come back with? Well, he came back with nothing. I mean, one of the main reasons he went over there was to meet with the Saudis. Because he wanted oil. Oil. That's what he wanted, oil. Saudi oil is somehow better than American oil. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course it is. But he came back, and the bottom line, uh, didn't get much out of it, to be honest. He's taking widespread criticism. Uh, the the Saudis said, hey, you know what? Uh, as far as that increase in the oil production, which is the main uh, deliverable thing that the, the president was was looking for, and uh, no significant progress. Mm. You know, they just basically said, you know what? We don't have as much oil as you guys do. <laughs> this is not the 70s anymore, okay? This is not the 70s anymore. So oh, uh, at, at why, don't, point, why don't you guys, here's my key. Why didn't the president, instead of flying to the Middle East, why didn't he fly to Midland? Uh, Texas. That would be a better place to go under the ground in that area in Midland, Texas. And Texas and I think New Mexico right there. I forget how many billions of barrels of oil are there. And they refuse to uh, really get at it and pump that oil. I assume that's because it's under federal lands. Uh, That's because it's in America. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, because well, we've got to stop. Uh, we got to stop uh, climate change for just a moment. Take off your your aluminum hat and let's talk about that, okay? So we are making sure that we don't put a lot of pollution up into the air. So we go. okay, and we don't. We're not pumping uh, that that disgusting, dirty oil up from the ground, but. We'll let every other country do it, and we'll go and beg them for it, and they do it in a in a less technological, advanced way. So it is dirtier uh, when it comes up out of the ground. It is dirtier as they as they you know. And take then send, care it, of it. send it 
thousands of miles on cargo ships. Absolutely. On tanker know, ships, yeah. Do all of, uh, the big tankers and things of that nature. And um, <clears throat> somehow, the pollution that is caused over in China and India and the developing third world countries just stays like pig pen you know from, you know pig pen had that that, that cloud, cloud of dirt of that followed him flies. around yeah yeah that's what's happening in climate change mm-hmm. folks put take off your aluminum hel- your helmet and understand we can we can make it as tough as we want on our people and it does nothing in all in in the from realm glo- from of, a global standpoint, that's I think exactly that, right. Uh, w- w- if if you're under the delusion that that CO two is a is a war- an earth destroying compound, uh, then buying oil from the Middle East doesn't um, improve the situation. No, of course it doesn't. In, in, in fact, you're probably going to spend you're going to send more carbon dioxide up into the air. Because you're shipping the stuff overseas. When you go, you go to China, you go to India, you'll find their electric generating plants. And guess what you find next to it? Huge mountains of coal. Mm-hmm. They're burning coal to beat the band over there. And it's, a, it's as if because we don't burn uh, coal that somehow we're going to save the planet. Uh, that somehow by forcing Americans to buy a, a an electric vehicle, oh, excuse me, I don't want to say it that way, an EV, got to make it sound sexy, <laughs> uh, you know, it, by forcing people to spend $66,000 on an EV, if there's no government subsidies for it, there was a $7,200 subsidy. For instance, Toyota announced last week that they've missed they've made how many cars evs that they can build and still get to seventy two hundred dollars oh they've already each. they've already met it they've run out they've run out huh? so now the you know the federal government got to pr- print more money hmm. you know oh by the way that doesn't mean that they're not going to try to do the build back better or better all or right so, all, so biden all, bill so uh, over the last couple of years people have gotten their um their Welfare checks from the government, i.e., their um, stimulus checks, two hundred dollars behind. By the way, and, just and, so you know, and and now with all the the inflation, uh, and now they're wanting the government to spend more money on on handouts. Well, the green people do, the tree huggers do. All right, they look when you look at inflation right now and where we're at, how far over we are year to year at that that nation. If you look at the three checks you got. Add them all together. The, the amount of money you got from the government was about $3,200. The amount of money that the government is costing you right now with inflation year to year is about almost $3,500. So you're $300 in the hole. It ain't over yet. Every American is $300 in the hole. They got those checks. So it's it's you know I'm not I'm not making this stuff and, up and, and it ain't it, over yet. It's, no, it's, there's it's, still it's, a lot more to yeah, happen. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not seeing a dollar seventy five gas on the near in the near future. I'm, I'm not seeing three dollars gas <laughs> in the near future. To be honest, all right, that's that's just not gonna not gonna happen. 
All right. Okay. We got a lot more to talk about. If you want to get involved in the conversation, it's 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. It's a Monday. Guess what? Here's your forecast for the week. Hot. <laughs> it's going to be hot. They're saying tomorrow, 102, and the rest of this week, every day, 103 to 104 wow. degrees. So it's going to be blazing out. Drink plenty of water. It was that way, uh, yes, or uh, Saturday when I was, I took uh, Eli home to Okmulgee, hmm. uh, Oklahoma, and coming back, we uh, we drove in the hottest part of the day coming back. So between 3 and about 5.30, uh, the average temperature, at least on my car, was 103 degrees. Wow. Is your, right. is your air conditioner working good? Yeah, it is. It kept me cool. But, I, you know, Linda says, why do you have it set at 60? <laughs> I said, because I don't want to sweat. <laughs> that's, that's why it's <laughs> You don't want to be degrees. sticky and messy and when that's you get right. I don't want to be sweating. All right, don't forget about East End Towing, East End Towing. If something happens to you, and that can be a problem when the temperature gets up in the hundreds, and we've been talking about that for the last uh, few days with the guys from the uh, Bumper to Bumper uh, Consortium, and they've been telling you uh, that you need to make sure your fluids are topped off, that you got to make sure that, uh, you know, your um, well, just make sure you go into a bumper-to-bumper certified service center and let them look at your car and make sure everything is all right if you're going to go on a long trip. Uh, I did notice on the way home, and I'm going to have them take a look at it uh, this week at bumper-to-bumper, that I, I usually stay solid right in the middle on the temperature gauge, and it just eked over top of it while I was coming home could be that i'm a little low on coolant or something so i haven't take a look at it but uh, if you do break down you don't want to be sitting on the side of the road in 103 degree uh, heat for very long at all it, let me tell you what once the engine stops and the air conditioning isn't working it gets hot in that car like it's a green, very quickly it's a greenhouse yeah uh you know get yourself out of the car and uh Find some way of getting a little shade if you possibly can. But know that if you call East End Towing, they'll be on their way to rescue you from the side of the road. 501-888-8849 is their number. 501-888-8849. No matter the situation, East End Towing is ready to help you. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Paul Calvert is here. Uh, we'll be on until 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, we'll uh, start talking a little bit about your finances and talking about heat and fire. Uh, yeah, talking about how the stock market. The stock market right now is almost down year to year 26%. Oh, wow. So it's, it's taking a pretty big beating. Now, if you're in bonds, not a bad place to be. They're almost up 11% from year to year. And I just read an uh, article. Uh, Heidi, my producer, is getting ready to go on a big trip. She's going to get to go over to Scotland and uh, visit over there. And uh, the American dollar is now one-to-one with the, uh, with the euro. And that's the first time, I think, 
in 20-odd years that we've been that strong. And why are we strong? Well, very simple, all right? The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates, makes our currency stronger against the euro because the banks over in the European Union have not raised Mm. interest rates. They're still printing money like mad. That's right. So now you've got uh, the opportunity, if you go overseas, your dollar will... uh, take you a lot further right now than it would have three years ago. Uh, That means all those little trinkets you want to buy while you're over there, you know, the T-shirt that says, you know, my my parents went to Europe and all I got was this stupid (laughs) T-shirt. You you buy that, uh, it's going to be a decent price. So it's, it's, in other words, it's cheaper for Americans to vacation in Europe right now, but it's not all that great of a deal for Europeans to travel in America right now. Not only that, but, uh, you know, as far as... as, um, you know, importing goods and services. Right. Uh, so we're in the driver's seat about that. Yeah, so if we're right buying now. from them, we get a good deal. But if they're buying from us, it's not kind of expensive. so good. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way it's working right now. So if you're thinking about doing Europe, don't a, look a gift horse in the mouth. That might not be a bad time to do yeah, it. Yeah, this would be a good time to probably do it. Travel agencies are going to make good money right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really are. Because a lot more people are going to go, uh, we'll save money. But if you go to Paris, the Parisian shopkeepers, although they'll be happy that you're there, they're not going to make the the kind of money that they typically make. Because when you pay with dollars, you got to pay them more. In the past, not now, no, not now. So it's good. That's uh, it's good that we're. We're stronger as far as that goes. So it's not good that we get – the only reason that we got that is because inflation is, you know, on fire. I mean, I, crazy I guy. wish I had a, a sound effect right now and I, of a fire truck <laughs> going down the street. 9.1% and the PPI, the producer price index, 11.3%. Now, what does that mean? What the PPI is is – how much it costs to do uh, to make yeah to make things uh, you know when you go to the store if you buy yourself a, let's just say a car we'll just do a car and you go out and buy a car cars are up uh, in price almost twelve percent year to year so you're going to pay more plus plus that's what it's cause, costing to make it right now. Not to sell it. You need to make a profit Mm -hmm. so you can continue to make uh, cars. So the consumer, sorry, the the the, producer price index is up. You said up to eleven point three. Yeah, and so but the and so the so actually the last month it was ten point one. So the but the consumer, uh, sorry, but regular inflation is up nine, and so the it sounds like business owners are making less money per their investment well and get ready for this it means that if it costs more to make it it costs more to buy it so at some point something's got to give somewhere yeah well, that's the way it's working and uh, let me just tell you a real quick story before we go to break uh, i was talking to a friend of mine and uh, his one of his family members is a farmer and they were talking about the price of diesel. Mm-hmm. Typically, Ouch. he said, typically, 
uh, in a year, he spends about $100,000 for diesel to be able to plant, plow the whole nine yards. Close to 300000 $300,000 this year. Yikes. And then you wonder why you go to the grocery store and prices are up. That's the reason. On top of that, for those products to get from the field to the people who are making those products in the cereal or whatever mm-hmm. it is, diesel. you know, they got to pay more because of the cost of diesel. And then to get it from where it's been manufactured to the store and on the shelf, uh, that's another cost increase. You know, Duck said over the weekend, and I, I go along with him, uh, diesel prices probably have the most dramatic effect on the cost of foods mm. and services uh, that you're you're seeing right now. All right, it's a uh, it's a, about uh, six thirty. We got about twenty seconds before we get to some local news. We're going to do that. Paul and I will confirm about what do we want to talk about next. I know that I'm going to talk about the trans uh, the trans woman who's been put up for Woman Athlete of the Year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I can't make it up. It's, this is, this is, it's true. To be clear, that's a man. That's correct. It's a man. <laughs> All right. But we'll talk about it when we return. But right now, here's your news on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The Heritage Foundation, I think, is going to join up with us here in just a moment. I do want to get into this whole discussion about... Uh, that that University of Pennsylvania trans swimmer has been nominated for NCAA Woman of the Year. Yeah, let me repeat that to you one more time. University of Pennsylvania trans swimmer was nominated by the University of Pennsylvania for the NCAA Woman of the Year. National Review saying that Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer who dominated the uh, 2021-2022 NCAA women's swimming and diving season, has been nominated by the University of Penn. And I got to tell you, Robert Steinbach is flipping out about this. He's a he's an alumni of University of Penn to receive the NCAA's Woman of the Year award up to. Uh, Two female athletes can be nominated by eligible schools, and this year there is a total of 577 nominees. Now, before we get to the folks uh, on uh, here from uh, the wonderful uh, Heritage Foundation, want to remind you uh, that um, this is a guy that identifies as a woman who has not had any kind of uh, uh, any kind of uh, of uh, so this change he's, he's not operation. A, he's not a gelding. He's a no, full stud. He's, yeah, he's walking around with his twigs and berries in the women's locker room. And uh, several of the women's uh, uh, swimmers that you you append have said that he has made sure to tell them that he's a, he is still drawn to women. So evidently, uh, he's he's only a woman in his own mind when he's not between the sheets because when he's between the sheets he's ready to do quote his manly uh, <laughs> duty that's uh, insane all right eg antoni is going to join us here from the heritage foundation hey uh eg how are you doing uh, I'm, I'm i'm talking you know fiction here 
any more fiction and fact have become so well mixed together that it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between the two. Would you agree? Oh, certainly. But, you know, that's why it's so important that we always just go back to relying on data and that we not pay attention to the political talking points, especially when it comes to the economy. We just have to keep focused on the numbers because unlike the politicians, the numbers don't lie. See, this is what I like about EJ, man. He's saying, Dave, I don't even want to talk about this. I want to talk about what you asked me to come on to talk about. All right? Good job. That was, a good, that was really a good job. I like that. But here's the problem with talking data with the, with the left or with, with the folks that are progressives, and that is facts don't matter. And they're showing that now. I mean, look. Uh, Schumer wants to spend another trillion dollars. Thank God for Manchin right now. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, who would have thought two Democrats, Manchin and Cinema, are basically saving the country right now? If you think things are bad right now in terms of trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck, if you think inflation is hitting you now, imagine how bad it would be if we threw another trillion dollars on, of fuel on top of this inflationary fire. Yeah, it's like it's it literally is like pouring gasoline on the fire. Just you, it's going to burn bigger and it's going to burn hotter. Well, I think right. this, is, see, this is you know this brings us to a really important point that a lot of people miss when it comes to inflation, and that is that inflation is fundamentally a tax. Now it's a hidden tax because you know it's not something that Congress has to vote on and the president has to sign like they would a typical spending bill, but it's still a tax. It's a way for the government to pay for unfunded spending. And no tax in the history of the world was ever reduced by the government spending more money. Mm-hmm. And that's why this whole idea of build back better will somehow, by spending another trillion dollars, will then lower inflation. I mean, it doesn't even pass the smell test. Yeah, let, let's get into talking about this a little bit. Paul Calvert is here as well with me in the studio. So if suddenly you hear a lower voice, that isn't me doing an imitation of somebody. That's, that's <laughs> Paul talking to you. Uh, Here's what bothers me. 9.1% inflation. Do we do we determine what is inflationary now the way we did 50 years ago? Well, in terms of how we actually calculate that inflation rate, you know, that has changed. And if we were still using the old methods of calculation, inflation would be significantly higher. I mean, not only would it be in double digits, it'd be pushing close to 20%. So, it, again, if you are wondering why on earth is this so difficult to make it from paycheck to paycheck, it's not you. It's because things are really just that bad. You know, the late, going back to the data, the latest data that we have shows that in the uh, most recent month, you had people spending more money but buying less. So it's not even a matter of they're still buying more, but they're just spending way more for it. No, 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 no. People are actually spending more money and getting less goods and services for it. There is no way that the second quarter GDP is going to be positive. We are in a recession already. I agree wholeheartedly with that, and I, I I brought that up because, look, I lived through the Carter administration. I was in my 30s when Carter was uh, president, and I remember how bad it was then, but I remember that after Carter, they decided to come up with a different way to determine inflationary pressure, and 
is it that they took food and and uh, energy out of it except in certain circumstances or something? Can you explain how how the differences is and why it makes it look like right now it's only 9%, like you just said, it's really closer to 20%. Well, a lot of it has to do with the way they now calculate housing. So oh, okay. Instead of just, so instead of just surveying, for example, people who are renting, instead they're surveying homeowners who are not renting their home and asking, if you were to rent your home, what do you think you could get for it? Which is a really bizarre way of doing <laughs> yeah, it, right? But it is. What, what, it effect, what it effectively does is when you have these very steep increases in the price of housing, particularly rents, in a short period of time, in other words, exactly what we've seen over the last two years, it tends to underestimate that. Can, so that is a key reason why, thing, why the number is so much lower than it feels right now. You know, I mean, it, it is, uh, I just saw a report today, now this is for London, but it's true in major cities across the entire world, the average person in London spends seventy percent of their income on housing. Wow, seventy. Oh my, seventy. That's over double what we spend. Right, exactly. That's insane. That really is insane. But but so I'm I'm a landlord here in Arkansas, and I can attest to the, to the fact that rent is crazy right now. I mean, I, uh, there's it, it's it seems like there's just a lot of people scrambling for places to rent, and the prices are high. I've I've gone up on my rents, and it's just it's I don't even know where the roof is right now. Well, that's the way it works, Paul. You know that. Oh, it, sure. It's it's it, a market. It, it's it's demand versus what the supply is. Sure. And uh, the more people that are renting now, because they now they've been priced out of being able to get a mortgage because mortgage uh, rates are higher. They got to rent, and there's as well as there's not as many homes to be bought now. There's fewer places to rent as well. Well, that and, and there may be some issues with with repossessions that, that were that were way far behind for the last two years. And they may be that may be emptying some of the houses out and causing an extra shortage right now as well. Now, what is your what, what are you seeing in the future here? I'm sure it's so not good. Right, right now, no, no, it's, it's, it's not good at all, unfortunately. But, I mean, a lot of the housing problems actually stem from the fact that the Federal Reserve was buying up mortgage-backed yep. securities, which are, which are just bonds, right, whose revenue source are people paying their mortgages. And the Fed bought up about 90% of all of the MBS that was issued during the, and after the pandemic. Hmm. So they basically caused this huge liquidity injection into the market, it drove up the demand for mortgages, it pushed down interest rates, and it, all of that caused this huge uh, increase in the demand for mortgages and housing, and that pushed prices through the roof, and as you guys just said, that priced a lot of people out of the market. And now that interest rates have gone up, no one can afford to borrow money <laughs> at these prices. So we're stuck with basically what looks like a permanent renting class, which is not good. I mean, this is literally how you undermine the middle class, right? But going forward now, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we have consumption tanking. We have investment going down. Uh, the net exports are also probably going to start going down now that the dollar is back to parity with the euro. I mean, really, there there is essentially nothing positive on the horizon when it comes to something like GDP, for example. So, and you know, this is all a self-inflicted wound. We did not have to be here, but because the government spent, borrowed, and printed so much money. We now are in this terrible inflationary cycle, and the only way you end it is by basically extinguishing a lot of the money that you created. And in the short term, that's going to cause a recession. 
Yeah, and uh, everybody says, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, here's what I say, that, that light at the end of the tunnel you said, you see, and <laughs> that's the recession coming. It's going to get here. In fact, as you just said, it probably is already here. No, no, it, it, it is definitely already here. Um, and at this point, it's just a question of how long it's going to last, and that's going to depend on whether or not this Federal Reserve does their job. Uh, unfortunately, this Federal Reserve has, has proven to be incredibly unpredictable. You know, don't forget, the, the meeting before they did a 75 basis point hike, the chairman of the Federal Reserve said a 75 basis point hike was off the table. So because they are so unpredictable, because markets can't tell which way this Federal Reserve is going to go, we just don't have uh, much of a weather vane going forward. That's, now let, let, let's talk now. Yeah, you, 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 well, that's what investors want. Investors want Stability. certainty. You know. But last question for you before we take a break, and uh, EJ, I want you to stick around for a little bit more because we got other things that I want to get into to help our listeners understand that uh, why it's going to get worse before it gets better. And from what I'm hearing from the Federal Reserve, they are hinting at a 100 point. Uh, uh, kick up in in uh, you know interest rates coming here in just a couple of weeks how is that going to play out as far as the uh, the markets are concerned and as far as prices at the grocery store and things of that nature well unfortunately when it comes to the federal reserve raising rates what tends to happen first is we tend to get more unemployment. We tend to get a slowdown in the economy. And then it's only over time that we actually see those inflationary pressures start to come down. Now, it's still the right move. I mean, the Federal Reserve should have been raising rates over a year ago. So now they are laughably behind the curve. It is still the right move. But unfortunately, it's just going to cause some pain in the process. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk further. And uh, everybody stay with me. Heritage Foundation is, is on the line. And whenever the Heritage Foundation is here, what was the old saying? Said people listen. <laughs> people listen when the Heritage Foundation sorry, Most people listen. This administration doesn't listen. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, PI Roofing wants you to know that they'll help you out. Uh, take care of your roof for you i got to make my call today i keep forgetting because i get busy and then i forget to call them and i need to come out and look at one small spot on my roof and see uh if uh, some of the shingles didn't adhere together as well as they should have so i'll make that call 501-707-3551 i've owned my home now 18 going on 19 years it'll be 19 years next month and uh the only person who has been on my roof to work on my roof is P.I. Roofing, the professionals that uh, will do the job and do it right. And if something happens to go wrong with uh, some of the product or whatever, they'll fix it. It won't cost you a dime because they also take care of their customers and uh, make sure that uh, you're taking care of uh, if something goes wrong. So give them a call. 501-707-3551 or visit them online piroofing.com We want to finish up with our heritage uh, uh, specialist that has joined us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show talking about inflation. 9.1% right now, EJ. When do we hit double digits, do you believe? Yep, we lost him. 
we lost him. He couldn't stay around. He had to move on. Uh, bottom line, what I, we're already there. Yeah. Well, Heritage believes that by September we'll be in double digits. And if uh, if being in double digits is not, uh, you'll really take notice then. Because if we hit double digits right now, back in the Carter days, we would be hitting, you know, low double digits. And by low, I don't mean 10%. I mean, you know, 19, 20%. And that is harsh. People, you who lived through the Carter administration know what I'm talking about. The only good thing that came out of the Carter uh, administration was Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. and Paul Volcker who was the head of the Federal Reserve. And a lot of people hated Paul Volcker for the first two years because he went in and just raised interest rates left and right and made it hard to get a hold of money. You couldn't borrow money uh, because the interest – or you didn't want to because interest rates were high. And uh, But after tightening the money uh, supply up, in, uh, the the whole thing of inf- uh, inflationary pressure started going down, and then it it exploded in one of the fastest growing economies that America had seen uh, since uh, post World War II. It was incredible. It was really incredible. Although the left will try to tell you, well, it wasn't just Ronald Reagan. You know how they are. It it. Yeah, it's a convoluted mess, but yeah, it, it's insane what's what's been going on economically, and, it, and, and to to expect good results from from printing money like mad is crazy. Well, and here's the other thing that everybody has to really get a grip on: it's going to get worse before it gets better. This is not going to clear up, I believe, uh, by 2024. It's going to still be going. It's liable to be. It uh, and if it is. Uh, and if, if you're one of those people who, for whatever reason, is still getting behind uh, the left, uh, you're going to have a hard time convincing people by 2024 that uh, you know they should they should stay with the program, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why more and more people are became, becoming Republicans. I just read. An early morning story today. For the first time since the Civil War, this sounds this sounds awful familiar. Sounds kind of like Arkansas. Uh, Kentucky has more registered Republicans, Republicans than, than they do Democrats. Mm-hmm. That let me tell you, I've lived in Kentucky, and uh, I didn't think that that state could ever see even purple status much less red status well the democrat party has just gone so off the rails as nut jobs i mean they they don't they're it's when they will step back and praise and embrace some of this just absolute nonsense let's let's face it they're crazy when it comes to the social programs and the way that they're uh, they're backing and screaming and hollering and doing, you know, crazy dances because of abortion. And they're trying to get you to forget about how much it's costing you to live 
by throwing that up all the time. That's the only reason that they're throwing that up all the time. Just keep that in mind because they don't want you to think about the the thing that's probably really affecting you, and that's the high prices that you're paying for food and uh, for gas and for housing. Yeah, the fact that you so, – so, yeah, they gave you a little bit of a – a handout over the last couple of years with with COVID spending stuff, but now you're paying an extra what two three hundred bucks a month in rent and maybe an extra two or three hundred bucks a month in gas and and electricity's I think has gone up. I think your your, your food in many cases has gone up. There's uh, I used to buy, I guess I still do, but there's a particular type of frozen pizza at the grocery store and they used to be about three dollars. Now they're about five. Oh, so I'm trying to think that must be the uh, the one with the flyer on the front. The guy that... The, no, 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 actually, it was, it was a house brand. Oh, it was a house it brand. It was a house brand, Okay, yeah. so anyway, the bottom line is simply this, is that everything that you're getting at the store is more expensive. I mean, a gallon of milk, I used to complain when it was just over $3 a gallon. Now, now, it's, now it's over, over 4 <laughs> <laughs> It's $4.16 the last time I went in and bought. And that's for the generic kind. And that's- eggs are unbelievably high now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that you used to buy figuring, well, I can make uh, scrambled eggs uh, tonight for, for dinner and whatever, feed everybody and, for a dollar. Not, and not cost us a heart, <laughs> you know, heart attack, and now that's not the case. Yeah. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk further uh, on the issues of the day here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just remember, every time you put that money in your gas tank, when you look at that final price, you should see Joe Biden, the President of the United States, <laughs> saying, I did that. All right, a break. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Moving to the second hour of a Monday show. What's the uh, temperature going to be today? Hot. Best way I can put it for you. Hot is what it's going to be. Uh, in Indiana today, at least four people, including the shooter, are dead and others are injured because of a shooting at the uh, shopping mall in Greenwood, which is just outside south of Indianapolis. I know exactly where that's at. Uh, I'm from Indiana. I worked in Indiana 
back in the 90s, and I know exactly where the Greenwood Mall is. It's been around for a long time. Uh, Greenwood Chief of Police James Eisen said, quote, a good Samaritan with a handgun at the scene killed the shooter. He said two others were wounded and are being treated in area hospitals. The shooter has only been described as an adult male. Police said he had a long rifle and several magazines of ammunition. Officers responded to a call regarding an active shooter at the mall about uh, 6 p.m. yesterday. Uh, Emergency services arrived on the scene while law enforcement officers worked to secure the scene. Indianapolis police and other law enforcement agencies were assisting uh, the Greenwood police with clearing out the mall and clearing the scene. Police later said there was no ongoing threat. Um, The Greenwood Police Department uh, is not sharing any more uh, information for the most part other than this uh, uh, citizen who had uh, could carry a a weapon shot this guy and killed him if he hadn't there's no telling how many people would have died and so i think that's that's the conclusion that i think you you find that a lot of security experts look at it's like really the only only way to effectively stop these situations is to have somebody right there and and the best way for that to happen is for for citizens to be armed because you can't have police officers everywhere and and and, and typically what i think you'll find is that that these guys they pick places that are soft targets and and this guy, uh, um, he made a little mistake here. He he picked a place where somebody was was armed, and they killed him. And um, and so he didn't get high body counts. He 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 um, it, it it was the um, kind of the textbook. It sounds like kind of the textbook situation where he tried to kill a bunch of people, and a good guy with a gun stopped him. Yeah. Well, here's the key. I liked what one person. I, I always like to read uh, for the first five or six comments uh, a- after a story. And uh, this guy says, "Whoa, wait a minute! I thought good guys with guns didn't exist." <laughs> you know, and and this is our argument that you hear Paul and I and RD and uh, of course Ed Monk and others here on the station make, and that is. That if there's someone who will use their firearm to protect citizens around them when a bad guy is is using a gun for all the wrong reasons, that you can typically at least keep the death count down. I mean, Ed will tell you, I think he says in the first 10 minutes of an active shooter, he's going to, you know, he's going to kill somebody about every 10 seconds and uh, so the faster somebody with a gun can get to the person who's trying to do the shooting the better that's why i support if a teacher wants to carry they should be able to carry in school i think that's perfectly reasonable i mean if 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 you can trust them with your children why not trust them the handgun i think it's great for them to get some training um i I think most would be willing to there's a lot of um gun shop owners out there or or gun range owners if you will would probably give them the training for free yeah i i you know had ed on many a time and we've talked about this and you know buying a gun and even carrying a gun is one thing uh 
pulling it out of your holster and using it is totally a different thing because the adrenaline dump and everything that occurs will cloud your judgment sure. at times. So you, you need to be taught and then you need to train so that the more – because the reason you train – look, in the military, the reason they go out and they do the same maneuvers over and over and over and over again – You make it automatic. Is so that if they get stuck in that situation, they just – Go you into you know you go into to auto mode. You don't have to think about it. Just, you know back back when I used to do um, tree work, um, there there were things I got to where I was good at using dealing with ropes and harnesses and whatever else is I could have done it in my sleep or I could have done it at when it was dark. I could have done it underwater. Mm-hmm. I could have done it. Don't don't go underwater. <laughs> but but the thing is that it, when it becomes automatic, it. Um, you don't have to sit there and think about it or get flustered because even if you are flustered it works because you're it it becomes an automatic function and and so the training is valuable there and and the reality is that handguns don't work like they do on tv that most most people cannot shoot like these gunslingers do in the westerns that's just not they could shoot like they show them on oh no 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 yeah when you see john wayne shoot somebody from 75 yards away and just sling it out from the hip i mean sorry there there are people alive who can do that but the reality is that (laughs) even those of us who are who are kind of gun enthusiasts we can't shoot that good those uh you know meet me out in the street at high noon gunfights it's fiction and they show them at either <laughs> end of the street Nuh-uh. they were within 12 foot of each other well, sometimes it, closer wow. yeah that's where they get powder burns <laughs> it might have been almost might have been yeah, but that's but that thing is that it's not a reality the reality is that that if you want to be able to effectively use a firearm you need, you need to be need to have some training unless you're just super gifted and most of us are not yeah you mean go to firing range and and fire using both hands because you never know if you're right-handed if you're going to be able to use your right hand you might have to use your left hand and you should be able to fire with either hand and and uh, and be able to hit your target those are important things to keep in mind and you should fire uh you know several rounds i mean you you should go through i don't know um i usually when i get to the range i carry a a box of shells with me and i go through that whole box and guess what your fingers getting tired your arms getting a little bit tired because of you know holding up the firearm and things of that nature and that's when you don't have all the adrenaline and everything going on Mm -hmm. your heart's beating things are going crazy you may have just tripped and fallen. You, who knows? You might, and you, you might even be bleeding. You, why do you always shoot for center mass? Because it's not that easy to do a headshot. All right. There, there are a lot of people who I, I wouldn't be confident taking a headshot if, if it was, even if it was very important. I would be scared to take a take a headshot because I'm not that good a shot. There's no. and, I, and I'm not a bad. I'm, I'm really not a bad shot, but I'm, I'd be afraid to take one if it was more than ten feet away, maybe. All right, so let's take our break, Paul, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the trans swimmer who's been nominated for the NCAA Woman of the Year. Uh, Leah Thomas, the uh, transgender swimmer swimmer who dominated 21-22 NCAA women's swimming and diving season, was was nominated by the University of Pennsylvania by the University of Pennsylvania. I got to tell you this much: if a university 
at the top echelon of, of their administration cannot say that that is not a man, then I would never send my child there. Because if they can't figure that out, I mean, what can they figure out? What if they're teaching you law or whatever? I mean, can they get that right at all? Yeah, what, anyway, what if they teach plumbing? It's just something to talk about. <laughs> uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we'll be back with it. Uh, don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I've been talking about Hillcrest for over a decade now, about Eric Coleman. Eric is a good friend of mine. Eric does the job, and he does it right. Eric is talented, so if you need something that is a custom design, he can do that for you. He's got a computer right there in his shop that allows them to design your ring, make wax impressions of it, the whole nine yards, so you can see what it really going to really look like he's got all kinds of free not free pardon me uh, he's got all kinds of stones in trays They're loose that are loose loose diamonds and that you can look well loose diamonds loose uh, emeralds and rubies and amethysts and all kinds of uh, precious stones that you can look at up close and and personal if you're looking for a wedding or an engagement set uh, wedding set engagement ring. Uh, no, if you go over to Hillcrest Designer, he's going to save you about twenty percent over those big box stores. Now, if you want a custom design, doesn't happen overnight. Uh, so give yourself plenty of time. Uh, stop by Three Thousand Cavanaugh Boulevard on Suite E, and uh, he can show you what uh, it is that uh, he does. He can talk to you, figure out what you want to have designed, and he can help make it a reality for you. They're open Monday through Saturday, uh, 10 to 6. And if you want to sit down and uh, talk with Eric, 501-246-3655. That is his number. Set up an appointment and then drop by. He does it all, repairs and everything from A to Z. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. So Dave Ellswick, we're sitting here talking about transmission uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. And I got to call R.D. because he, he put in my last one about four years ago. We're going to drop another think, one in now. Maybe, got some, maybe have some clutch, a clutch going out. Or yeah, something, maybe something, something that's not 100%. So I'm going to have them Yeah, sometimes those. So Leah Thompson, who, uh, you know, University of uh, uh, Pennsylvania has nominated now uh, for um, the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award. Let me read this. It says, the award, the award is designed <coughs> to recognize female student athletes who have exhausted their eligibility and distinguished themselves in their community, in athletics, and in academics throughout their college career. Prior to this past season, Thomas had competed on the UPenn men's team uh, with um, not overly successful results before breaking out as a member of the women's team, setting numerous records over the course of the season and dominating at both the Ivy League and NCAA championships. Here's what Abigail Shear had to say, and we've had Abigail on several times from Heritage. Quote, 
it is an inclusion that leaves uh, leads the Ivy League to pull stunts like this. It's misogyny and utter contempt for the truth. And then on Twitter from Tom Fenton, in a direct attack on its female athletes, UPenn suggests transgendered person as NCAA Woman of the Year award. Think about that. He had been on the men's team for three seasons and couldn't do squat, basically. Not saying he was a bad swimmer. He just wasn't good enough to win. You've got to be good to be competitive at the higher levels. So what did he do? He says, I'm 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 feeling like a woman, mm-hmm. so um, I want to well, compete know, on the women's team. You know, team. I I think I feel like an eight year old girl, and so I'm going to go swim on the eight gr- swim and compete against eight year old girls. You know, I could I could probably be competitive at that level. I don't know if I could or not, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it's insanity. Uh, you know, yeah, it is. It, it's this is the perfect example of insanity in yeah, fact it, it's 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 just nuts i mean the, you you can't for, for for years like in the olympics you see there's there's men's sports and there's women's sports and there's a reason for this because if you want women to be able to compete you have to actually segregate because the reality is that men and women are different and if you don't accept that you're just you're just denying well, science title nine was passed and it's if, if you want this is this is nuts. It, it, it's it's one of those things. Like, what do you say? What do you deal? I mean, I mean that, that's a man. Well, you, you've got you've got you, a lot of us have probably seen the the picture floating around. On, on, there's a podium. There's a man on the left, and you've got two girls. Well, and that's Leia Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, he's probably four to six inches taller than either of the women. He's he's and not only speaking of the, tall. His shoulders are more well developed than those women's are. Yeah, and so so you've got a man who he probably outweighs them by forty or fifty pounds. He's he's just it may be almost as much. And I know y'all are on the radio, but we've we've got Heidi back here, the producer. You know, I'm six foot four. What is she about? Five foot four or five? There might be almost that much contrast between Pretty between close. them. I mean, it's it's. If the, I put you side by side, yeah, probably may, so. maybe almost that much contrast. It's like this is not from an athletic standpoint. This is not a fair comparison, and it's it's just a reality. And if 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 you actually want to have women's sports, you can't let men compete and just let themselves let them call themselves women. This is what should tip you off that it isn't fair when they come up. People come up and they say, well, if we're going to be fair about this, if we're really looking for equity, let's have men's teams, let's have transgender teams, and let's have female athletes. And they go, oh, no, can't do that. That makes us different. Well, you are different. Whether you like to admit it or not, you are different. Sorry. Yeah, no. If you if you if you want to be the same, then leave yourself intact. And 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 if you're a man, you play with the men. And if you're a woman, you play with the women. But you know, if, if you're a man and you and you just want to to freak people out or or win because you're not good enough um, with the men, and you can't just play with a women's team and just well, and just it, pretend. I think that in your two examples there, probably the latter is the most important. I, I'm just saying I can't. 
I wonder what this guy thinks when he goes home and he's got all these women's trophies on his trophy case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know as uh, as an athlete that I was back in, in the day, a long time ago, uh, that I wouldn't feel significantly more empowered because I was able to win against the women and not the men. It's not. It's not a fair comparison. It's not. So what? So so some guy beats up a woman in a bar and he goes home and brags to his to his. Yeah, whooped a woman tonight. I mean, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, God made you different. And it, it's the not, guys it's, that you go home and tell you that may get up and whoop you. They might. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like, what have you done? You haven't really done anything. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's move on. I I, I mean I. I don't see that we got to spend longer than five minutes talking about this. It's, it's insane it's, that we're talking yeah. about it at all. But yeah, because look, I, I, uh, I worked at seeing Title IX passed uh, because I had a lot of friends in high school that were female and they couldn't compete in sports because women di- women didn't have sports teams. And once this this passed, they did. They suddenly, you know, it took a several years in fact it took about two decades for fast pitch softball to suddenly become the sport that it is today women's track what it is today and on and on and on but the bottom line of all of it is nowhere when we sat down and talked about this did anybody go well what about the guy who thinks he's a girl should he should he be able to to compete against the women? That never came up. Nobody was ever talking about it that because nobody. It was a non-starting entity. Nobody was talking about because it, it wasn't happening. Nobody was that stupid back then. Or maybe there were a few people that were in the closet back then that really thought this. That, well, we're going to actually convince people here in the next twenty or thirty or forty years that that well, you can change your change your gender well, and, that's and swap what the pedophiles over. Are thinking now. They're thinking they're going to change everybody's view on that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll tell you when we get back, CNN Inside Inside Politics host John King urged critics to do something for Democrats here now. All right. And we're going to talk about that. What was it that John King said you should do for the Democrats? We'll discuss it here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. That's coming up. Paul Calvert is here with me. I'm here and we got some news coming your way. So we want to get to that here in just uh, a moment and uh, uh, I think it, it's Bill O'Reilly who's going to be joining us here on the Dave Ellswick show. So keep that in keep that in mind. Uh tomorrow uh, first last hour today, nine o'clock hour, uh we're gonna have the folks from the Salvation Army on uh, there's things that are coming up in the fall and then again in the winter time that we want to talk about and how they're going to reach out into the community and help people. So uh, we'll have them on uh, at least for a half hour. We might uh, have a, f- a full hour discussion with them, but I'm really thinking a uh, half hour will probably cover everything that we need to uh, uh, to do. Not sure who we're going to have in the 9 o'clock hour, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. I'm working it. And uh, when we get it together, 
uh, we'll let you know who it's going to be. I will tell you tomorrow early we'll have somebody to talk about chips and cars on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick, Paul Calvert, Artie Hopper will be back uh, next Monday, but I won't be. I'll be on a trip. I'll be on the Patriot Tour. We leave Saturday. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Saturday we travel, and I do believe Sunday will be at Gettysburg, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Harper's Ferry will be there uh, as well. Then we'll make our way to the Amish uh, community in Lancaster and all across Amish land. And we'll be going to Sight and Sound in Lancaster and seeing the production of David. Uh, a lot of different uh, uh, of uh, uh, museums that we'll be stopping at. And on our way, uh, as we start making our way back, we spend a, a day in Philadelphia, which is, I think you can, along with Boston, say it's the cradle of our, of our, mm-hmm. of our nation. And you have to go by Constitution Hall. You get to see Ben Franklin's grave. You get to see the Liberty Bell. Uh, there's a brand-new museum that is opened in Philadelphia. Uh, it opened two years ago but didn't open because of COVID. And so now it is open to general public, and we'll be going into that. And it's about uh, the Bible and the Christian faith and the place that it played in the founding of our nation. So we look forward to stopping by and seeing that. And there's a lot of other things we'll see as well. Wish you could come along. If you're not, uh, maybe next year you can get on the Patriot Tour and come with us because we're going to Boston next year. That's one place we haven't gone yet on a Patriot Tour. So we'll be heading out to Boston and you know, you know, taking a tour of the USS Constitution and walking down the, the Freedom Lane and all of that in Boston and walk across the, the commons where the shot heard around the world was fired and all of that. So uh, we'll be doing that. If you go to Boston, uh, there's several pubs that have been there forever, uh, places where Franklin and, and Jefferson uh, would share a pint uh, together. And so uh, I want to I want to go buy those and check it out as 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 well. All right. So I asked you, what did John King urge critics to do for Democrats? And here's what he he said. He says, give them some grace because their jobs are hard. <laughs> uh, King's urging for easier treatment of Democratic lawmakers came specifically in response to a Republican attack ad that criticized Senator Mark Kelly. Now, Mark Kelly is the uh, husband of the uh, then-senator from Arizona, or maybe it was Congresswoman, uh, who was shot there in Arizona. Uh, But he's been attacked for his reckless spending and accusing him of contributing to the current inflation woes impacting the U.S., Uh, John uh, King said, quote, it is much easier to be the opposition party. Give Democrats some grace. Governing is hard, especially when you have only tiny margins. Okay, so uh, keep. He should have kept that in mind when the Republicans were in control. Anyway. 
No, yeah, I guess they probably need some grace somewhere. Maybe they need some forgiveness, forgiveness and, repent, and repentance need too. Is what I think that they need. I, they, yeah, they they've got a little bit of something, but I think the I think the tiny part that you have you're gonna have to have a microscope for is the, is their moral compass. Okay, so every every once in a while, a judge strikes it right. Okay, it's like a bad clock. Every once in a while, they get it right. A federal judge in Tennessee has temporarily blocked Biden administration directives, which allow transgender workers and students to use bathrooms and locker rooms and join sports teams that correspond with their gender identity. Uh, New York Post uh, says a judge, Charles Ashley Jr., of the Eastern District of Tennessee ruled in favor of 20 Republican state attorney generals, and I got to probably think that Leslie is one of them, who sued last August, arguing that the federal directives would make it impossible for states to enforce their own rules about transgender athletes participating in girls' sports or accessing bathrooms actually issued the temporary injunction until the matter can be resolved in the courts. Quote, as demonstrated, the harm alleged by plaintiff states is occurring already. Their sovereign power to enforce their own legal code is hampered by the insurance of defendant's guidance, and they face substantial pressure to change their state laws as a result. Ashley was an appointee of former President Donald Trump, wrote in the decision released on Friday. Uh, Oklahoma Attorney General John O'Connor called Ashley's ruling a major victory for women's sports and for the privacy and safety of girls and women in their school bathrooms and locker rooms. And I'll repeat what I said just a few moments ago when we were talking about Larry Thompson. And that's this, when... Title IX was being discussed and finally passed into law. There weren't a bunch of discussions about, well, what if some guy who identifies as a woman wants to compete? What do we do then? That wasn't on anybody's mind because people weren't wanting that. They well, weren't pushing on it. I'll tell you pretty much exactly what would have happened years ago. It would have been like, um, no, you're a male. This is female sports. You cannot just be a cross-dresser and come in and decide to play female sports. It doesn't work that way. I think that's pretty much exactly what would have happened. Okay, so why, why is the government pushing on this? Well, uh, Town Hall, and uh, for complete clarification, Town Hall is owned by Sale Media. Uh, The Department of Education concluded that because Title IX, which bars sex bias in federally funded educational programs, borrowed some language from Title VII, Comstock also applied to schools. Therefore, the department suggested the court's decision should be applied to sex-segregated bathrooms. However, the judge disagreed okay i'd have to go back and look at seven and uh, take a look at it probably has something to do with uh, you know uh you shouldn't 
you know, discriminate on the basis of sex. Uh, this is not on sex. This is on gender. This is on uh, a thought process. Well, are they are they actually suggesting that it should be illegal to have men's and women's bathrooms separated out? Is that, is that think, what they're suggesting? It I, I would look if you if you're a movie watcher if you've ever watched uh, something like uh, uh, what was the one uh, that uh, Heinlein wrote. Uh, as a book and then they made it into a movie and it shows the the uh, men and women fight together and so they shower together and everything Mm -hmm. that's all in there Uh, i do not believe they do that over in israel i know they fight together but i don't believe that they go out and they uh, shower and whatever together there, there's some biological responses that start happening. I would think so. That, um, I mean, we're, at some point, you, you Starship Troopers is Starship, the movie uh, I'm referring to. At, at some point, though, you have to have some adults to to actually start making some of these decisions. And I'm I'm sorry, the the it seems like the Democrat Party has just they're, they're expecting the adults to shut, sit down and shut up. Well, it's 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 strange. That's all I got to say. I stand against it and will continue to stand against it because I can just tell you it was, this is not what was talked about when it came to Title IX. You go back and read the stuff about uh, Title IX. By the way, Billie Jean King, who is one of the original members of the Women's Sports Foundation, has basically left the Women's Sports Foundation because they now are saying... And she helped form it, by the way, uh, saying that uh, men should be able to compete against women. And uh, so she and other female athletes now have uh, begun a new organization that stands firmly in in opposition against that and uh, gets in and works hard for females who... Are biological females not thinking that they're females and uh, working with them? So it's just something to keep in keep in mind. Then finally, I think this is a good idea. I think this is a really good idea. South Dakota Public Broadcasting reported this story. South Dakota's U.S. Representative Dusty Johnson wants to block some foreign interests from buying U.S. agriculture companies. He's co-sponsoring a bill that blacklists China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Foreign investments in American agricultural land has increased an average, are you ready for this, of 2.2 million acres per year since 2015. Now, that's, you know, stuff that we're using to grow our crops on and things of that it's nature. It's kind of strange that we would allow non-citizens to own property. Foreign governments. Yeah. Not just non-citizens. Yeah, non, yeah not just non-citizens. But foreign yeah, that's foreign ins- governments. That's insane. This it, is a, a report from the National Agricultural Law Center. Congressman Johnson's bipartisan legislation seeks to limit foreign influence in the American food system by blocking sales of companies 
Johnson says these efforts would work in conjunction with his support of federal restrictions, also just straight on land sales. The Daily Wire says Johnson said that it was important to decouple critical industries like healthcare, energy, and agriculture from countries like China who are seeking to displace America on the world stage. His comments come after a report earlier this month that a Chinese flavor and sugar substitute company, the Fufing Group, purchased 300 acres of land in North Dakota just 20 minutes from, uh, it says an Air Force base, so it's either Grand Forks Air Force Base or it's Minot. Uh, and that the base, well, it is, it's Grand Forks Air Base, is thought to be home to sensitive military drone technology, according to the New York Post. Hmm. Now, wait a second. You don't really think that the Chinese would spy on us, do you? Surely not. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back, talk further here, and finish it up for uh, the uh, first two hours of the Dave Ellswick Show on a Monday. We're bringing you up to date on everything that broke over the weekend i got one more story for you when we get back if you're concerned about out of control government spending soaring inflation political unrest and a rapid decline of the u.s dollar and we've been talking about all of those things here in the first two hours today uh, millions of americans are in the same boat as you are they're trying to protect their nest eggs and so they're looking at silver and gold uh, don't let 1970s-style inflation destroy your retirement. You can learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets, your uh, IRA, that 401K, those hard-earned savings by calling 501-222-3315. There you go. Folks at David Lucas Finance work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you need to talk to them. Uh, you get uh, direct prices from the dealer that you can trust, and you can learn more about buying silver and gold. Again, the number to call, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Back with you. Let's finish it up today. This is a story I mentioned to you earlier in the show. If you missed it, you'll uh, you'll find this interesting. The Courier-Journal, which is the state paper out of Louisville uh, in Kentucky, had this, uh, this story. Uh, the Democratic Party has dominated Kentucky politics for most of the state's history since the Civil War. But another milestone in its fall and the rise of the Republican Party over recent decades has been reached. Republicans now surpass Democrats in registered voters for the very (laughs) first time. The Kentucky State Board of Elections released its new monthly voter registration numbers Friday, and it showed that... uh, Oh, uh, Republicans registered now outdo Democrats by about three three thousand uh, voters. So just barely tip the scales, barely, but it's, yeah, it's, it's monumental. It's, it mo- it's a monument. Though. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a monumental issue. Just forty years ago, Democrats made up 
68% of registered voters in Kentucky, more than doubling the 28% of registered Republicans. So in 40 years, Republicans have pulled even with the Democrats. That's a huge change. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, the, the thing is, uh, the Democrat Party has just gone from, you know, they were, they were you know, b- back in the uh, 90s, I guess, the, the Democrats were still kind of at least sort of morally sane, a little bit at least. I mean, they, st- they still wanted to do uh, they still They still supported abortion wherever else. But they were able to convince people they were still the party of the people so to speak yeah and now they're just they've just gone you know if, if you've got just even just a, a a marginal moral compass and you've got a little bit of common sense it's like and you see the democrat party there's like what is wrong with these people these people are crazy okay so tell me they're if you tell me if you don't believe kentucky mirrors arkansas all right listen to this the Lexington Herald Leader, all right, which is the second state paper in the in the uh, the state, said this: Republicans currently hold Kentucky's two U.S. Senate seats, all right, five of six congressional seats, supermajorities in the state legislature, and <laughs> most of the statewide constitutional offices and it reflects the GOP's dominance across rural Kentucky. Quote, we are living a historic moment in the Commonwealth, said Republican U.S. Senator Rand Paul, who is seeking his third term from Kentucky in this year's election. Quote, the majority of people in Kentucky realize that their beliefs are best represented by the Republican Party. That's exactly what happened here sure. in it, uh, Arkansas. It, it sounds like it. And we've still got a bunch of um, Democrats running around, I think, that, that registered as Republicans. And, and some of the policy in the state would reflect that, the fact that we're having some trouble getting some uh, um, more conservative ideas pushed through. Um, but I think some of those... Um, Democrats and Republican clothing are, are are probably being pushed out this uh, this this election cycle, and so that'll that'll maybe make some changes. We'll see, though. Yeah, there are some big big changes. Two two changes that will move us more uh, towards a stronger uh, Republican legislature. And remember, I'll be covering the legislature when they begin meeting in January. Uh, in the Capitol, this will be the place that you keep in touch with what's going on, uh, is that Sturch is gone. He he was defeated in the uh, primary. And then uh, Samples was uh, defeated. Remind me who's going to be replaced well. by Samples. I uh, can't remember. Somebody young we're not guy, familiar with. A young, young Republican guy is a conservative who's who's replacing uh, Bill Sample. So those are two direct ones right there that will make it a much more uh, conservative. And Sturch got beat right. by, by um, 
Peyton, right? Peyton. John Peyton. That's right, John Peyton. He's, yeah, he's somebody we know. Was. So been... we've had him on many a time. We'll have him on again. True, we probably when will. we get going in the in the future. All right, time for us to get out of here, Paul. Thanks for coming. Yes, in. sir. There's been a, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. We did. There were a lot of different things that are happening out there. We try to keep you up on all of that. Join me again at nine o'clock. I'll be back on, and we'll have the folks from the Salvation Army on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Until then, enjoy the next show, which will tell you about what do you do with your money in these times like they are right now. Get into the nine o'clock hour. We'll be joined by the Salvation Army here in a little bit. Uh, they're uh, being held up in an interview, so as soon as they're done with that, they'll be over with me, and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening with them. Uh, I had talked about in our second hour this morning about what was going on about Leah Thomas's nomination for Woman of the Year award uh, with the NCAA. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that's come out since then. Uh, Let me just bring you up to date. Mother of Ivy League swimmer Kim Jones, former NCAA champion Marshy Smith, have slammed the nomination from UPenn for Leah Thomas as Woman of the Year. And the mother of this Ivy League swimmer is outraged over the recent move by the university to nominate uh, the transgender athlete. Uh, Kim Jones joined uh, Fox and Friends this morning, calling the nomination humiliating and devastating and accusing the school of sending a message that women don't matter anymore. The message is they're not even worthy of dignity and comfort in their own locker rooms. Now, I told you about Leah Thompson. This guy has not had any kind of surgery done. I mean, he's got his twig and berries. He walks around the locker room uh, with the uh, other athletes and uh, has been uh, said that he has told them he's still attracted to women. And I just think that that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard for a university to allow. It's crazy. And uh, she went on and said, this uh, nomination is just the embodiment of that message. 
it's uh, really frustrating to understand where the current NCAA and Ivy League and especially Penn stance is on the value of women in modern society, said Jones, a former All-American tennis player whose daughter competed against Thomas. The transgender athlete nominated for the NCAA award, which recognizes female student athletes, according to announcement for the award. Jones said college athletes spend countless hours training, which is dismissed when biological males can compete against them with unfair physical advantages. That's what all that effort, all those hours, all that hard work and the journey that was supposed to be so empowering and fulfilling has been reduced to something that people think is a sideshow. It's really frustrating. Jones and Marshy Smith, a former NCAA champion swimmer, co-founded ICONS, the Independent Council on Women's Sports. I told you about uh, uh Navatilova is involved in that as well as uh, Nancy Hogshead and others, uh, uh, Olympians and uh, professional female sports uh, figures, and they've lost. They left the uh, National, you know, Association of Women's Sports. Uh, I won an award from them back in the '80s for coverage of women's sports that I did on radio, but. Uh, they're moving away from that and going to ICON because now they uh, they fight for biological women. Quote, there is a biological difference between men and women. And if we can't agree that, as far as it being a foundational truth is a reality, then how can we protect our girls and women? And let me just say this. How, how can you protect women in women's sports in colleges ever again if they keep this stuff up all right so enough of that it's 10 minutes after nine let's take a break when we come back we're going to talk to to the commander of the salvation army here in little rock bill's with us we're going to talk to him want to find out what's going on right now and what they got planned uh, for the rest of this year uh, for the salvation army and how you can be an integral part of that don't forget about uh, icu uh, protection Billy Mack wants you to know that uh, they've got a great price for you to protect your home or your business as far as getting the security up to snuff, get the door and window sensors, get the motion detection, get your doorbell camera, get cameras, any other place you need in your house, and they will help you do that. Uh, You'll pay for the service. You won't pay for that hardware. And these are the guys that do... uh, the uh, security out at Nuke One. So I'm figuring if they can protect Nuke One, they can protect the house of Dave Ellswick and uh, your house and your business. Call them, 501-205-1333. That's 501-205-1333. All right, back with you. And uh, Bill Maccabee, is that right? You got it right. I got it right. Okay, because I could say it. Like biblically or whatever, and it wouldn't have been right. But anyway, the Maccabees. yeah, the uh, he's the area commander here of uh, the Little Rock. Uh, is it chapter or area? How do how do you describe the area? Yeah, it's called. So we are uh, we're at Central Arkansas uh, Area Command. So we oversee eight counties right throughout Central Arkansas that we're responsible for. Oh wow! How far west do you go? 
Uh, so we Saline County. Oh, Saline County to the, to the south. All right. So you you got. What what what? Okay, hold on. You're trying when to explain. It, when it comes to uh, directions, I'm a little bit challenged. So. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> that's why I said Saline County. Okay. I know it's good. So when I'm Saline going County that way. to the south. <laughs> I'm sure you're up in Lone Oak County Lone to the Oak, north. White Van Buren, yes, sir. Okay, so good. All right, I, I kind of got it. I got you where you're at as far as that's concerned. Now, so let, let's talk because, uh, Bill. I'm, I've been a big supporter of the uh, the Salvation Army, more so than other nonprofits, to be honest, because you do have a very strong faith commitment amongst uh, the Salvation Army. That is a church, by the way, just so everybody knows. And uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about you. How long have you been in the Salvation Army? How long have you been here now in Central Arkansas? So I have been an officer in the uh, Salvation Army for 17 years, my wife and I both. Wow. And uh, so we're both ordained pastors. We have a, a church in North Little Rock that we, uh, you know, we preach. We have a congregation. We do uh, all the things that a normal church would do, plus of our uh, outreach or inreach, whatever you want to call it, uh, to those who uh, we serve through our social services. Okay. So 17 years. What? What? possessed you to head over because you're not an old guy i mean you look like you're in your late 30s maybe I, you're one of my favorite hosts ever Uh-oh, no, I'm a, i no i under i underestimated where are you <laughs> i'm 45 okay well good you're still look when you get as old as i do everybody looks young okay <laughs> so you tell me uh, what made you want to get into the uh, salvation army yeah, so I've grown up in the Salvation Army, going to church with that, but the mission is really what grabbed my heart and my mind, uh, to be able to serve those um, who are hurting, to those who are without hope, and to be able to do that without discrimination. Uh, the Army is really good about that. If we just want to serve people, we want to love people. Now, that's something, the Salvation Army, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the last 25 years, has really uh, gotten a lot of really good publicity for the work that they're doing. Like you hear about a hurricane coming, used to be it was another group you heard about all the time. Now you hear about Salvation Army. Yeah, we have a very robust system. We are very localized, and I think that's one of the things most people don't understand about the Salvation Army is that we are very much localized. Uh, our funding comes locally. It's not a national uh, uh, conglomerate that that pushes money down to us. We raise everything locally, but we also at the same time have a uh, top-down model when it comes to some of the uh, things like when there is a disaster, a natural disaster, that we have outside uh, commands coming in to help support the work that's being done. So the bottom line, the money that's raised here stays here. Is that what you're telling me? 87 cents of every dollar that's raised in this community stays right here in this community. That's, uh, That's great. That's really, really super. So I've had the Salvation Army on for years. I've I've been in this uh, radio market for 23 years now. Getting ready to go on, yeah, 23 years. So let's talk a little bit about it. I mean, uh, used to be you guys talked about, you know, how, how you fed the poor and how you clothed the poor and all of that. There was a little bit of a shift that happened where you were helping people learn how to better take care of finances and you had a 
a, a new kind of plan, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's a, a, new, a new kind of philosophical view of, of teaching individuals and their families how to make it in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we can continue to hand out food and hand out, uh, you know, dollars to be able to pay rent and utility. Uh, but we don't want to do that in uh, just for the people to become dependent on that kind of a service. How our question that we're asking ourselves is how do we address how do we how do we help address the root issues uh, that people are facing that that causes them to come to us. So we've been really working hard on that, doing wraparound case management, uh, following up with people. Uh, and with our emergency shelter, for instance, we have five transformational platforms that we're really trying to get down to those root issues. Uh, mental health. So we have mental health clinicians coming in to help address some of those issues. Uh, physical health that, so that people can actually go to work and, and not con- constantly sick. Uh, so we have people coming in for that. We have spiritual health where we're doing small groups with the ladies. We do. Um, uh, we also do wage and hour classes um, and those kinds of things. And then also, finally, the uh, life skill classes to make sure people understand how to budget. People know how to, uh, to shop on a shoestring budget. So we do a lot of those things to make sure that we're providing everything we can so that they can be sustainable. Maybe you can uh, explain to my listeners because they'll remember. Remember, we've had a couple of uh, commanders before you who was in talking about you guys offer places for people to live as as well, and they they can stay there as long as they're in the program. Okay, can you talk a little bit about that specific program and and how is it going? Is it built? Is it growing the way you wanted it to? Yeah, so we have an emergency shelter. Right now we are a low-barrier shelter, so uh, just about anybody. There's not a lot of uh, things that would keep people out of our shelter. And once they come in and they start living with us, and this is for individual women or families, uh, once they come in, they see our caseworker, and they start immediately with, what are your goals? Uh, what is it that you're trying to get to? And we help. Uh, they'll give their goals, and we help speak into those and start coming in, in with, all right, what do you need to do? What do we take those big goals that you have to be housed? And how do we start saying, uh, start stair-stepping some of those goals? What do you need to do this week? And uh, our case managers are following up with them on a regular basis, uh, at least weekly, but usually twice a week to make sure that they're meeting those goals. And as long as they're following their case plan, as long as they're actively engaged, we'll walk with those ladies or those families for a year. We'll walk with them to however long it takes them to get to sustainability. Uh, the average is somewhere between four and six months is what we're finding right now. So it's not unusual for someone wow, to be with us that quick. long. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the things that um, that you see over and over is, is uh, these ladies will show up. They have no ID. They have no birth certificate, no Social Security card. And if you can imagine walking into a city building and saying, I need to get a picture ID without any of those things, it's nearly impossible. So those are the kinds of uh, hurdles that we want to help knock down for them in order for them to continue to move forward and be able to apply for a job, to apply for housing and are these, are these women based, are they more uh, uh, women who have been abused and things of that nature? Is that why they don't have any paperwork or anything? They just kind of left and left it all behind? For some of them, that, that could be the case, but also just the chronically homeless. They, they've just 
they've not been off the streets or they've been on the streets for long periods of time they've been off the radar they've been off the radar uh they were uh you know for some they were evicted so when they by the time they were able to collect what they could or you know after it's been put on the side of the street uh that's just those documentation they couldn't find it they didn't look for it they just started moving forward trying to sing trying to figure out what do i need to do yes they needed a new place to have a roof over their head yeah yeah. There's some things that, you know, are more important than paperwork. <laughs> you know, it's called food and it's called shelter. That's right. And that's if right. you have kids, it really becomes very important. It really does. And that's one of the things that we're really trying to get to as well is making sure that our homeless prevention piece is very robust so that people don't have to get to the point where they're being evicted. And when you talk about kids, the trauma that having to move every so often and couch surf and, and even sometimes move schools, uh, that, that can create a lot of trauma for a child. So the easier for us, and not only for us as a Salvation Army, but as uh, the city um, to keep people in their homes is a lot better uh, than being able to have them work through a process. The um, affordable housing in Little Rock is very limited, so the waiting list for that is really long. Uh, so we, last year, the Salvation Army gave over $250,000 to keep people in their homes, uh, rent, utilities, and that that's really where I would like to live versus uh, the emergency shelter. I would like to get to the point where there wasn't a need for an emergency shelter. So, so- What are some of the problems that uh, the Salvation Army runs into with the children and this problem, like you were talking about, chronically homelessness? And you said couch surfing, and I know what that is. Some of my listeners, they might know that means you go from house to house and you sleep on the couch. So you, you just say, can, you, can I sleep on your, house, on your couch because I don't have any other place to stay? Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's several things that cause, cause those kinds of issues. It's definitely the couch surfing and the constant movement, not knowing where you're going to be uh, in, in two weeks. You, you, you just have no idea where you're going to be. So trying to get mail, trying to get communication with certain agencies, uh, it, it becomes very uh, difficult. The other part of that that uh, the Salvation Army has seen and, and um, we're starting to talk about are benefits cliffs, where if you make $1 too much, your benefits, all of a sudden, all of your benefits get cut off. So some people are making a really good financial decision only to work part-time or not to work at That's all right. because that benefits cliff where we would like to see more of a sliding scale so that uh, that people there's an incentive to continue to move forward to to get a full-time go from part-time to full-time and so forth and so on but when you get to the point where all of your benefits get cut off because you made one dollar too much you're you're in worse shape than you were uh, when you started i just had that discussion with person from another uh, very conservative group, and it's something that they're dealing with as well. It, it means that we have all got to take on a kind of a different uh, viewpoint and a different philosophy about this. What What do you want the average person to know about that? I mean, when you look at somebody who's homeless and, and, and whatnot, uh, and, and they're not working as much as you think they should they should be it could be that you know if they worked 40 hours a week they wouldn't have enough money to be able to pay the rent 
all right, on a place. Mm -hmm. So why work 40 hours a week when you work 20 hours a week, get some uh, government supplemental things like, I don't know, Section 8 and things of that nature, and you don't have to pay as much money Mm -hmm. uh, to live there? Yeah, that's it's the, it's so true, and um, you know the thing that I that I would hope that most people understand is that when you see folks who are homeless experiencing homelessness, most of the time it's not because they're just lazy and don't want to work. That's that is so few of the ladies and the individuals that we work with. Uh, that is so few of them. Most of them have hurdles that uh, they just don't know how to overcome. Uh, and that's what we want to do is come beside them to help knock down some of those hurdles, help them work through some of the processes so that they can get to the point where they're uh, sustainable. The, a lot of the ladies that we work with have a just they have a work ethic that is unbelievable, uh, but it just comes out and it's displayed in different aspects other than just uh, going to work and working a 40 hour week. All right. We're going to have to take a break here. And then when we come back, uh, we'll get into how you can help the Salvation Army help these folks to be able to make it. I mean, Bible is very specific that we're supposed to, you know, help people uh, and uh, and be the hands and feet of Christ. All right, and that means to to help them as much as we can. Doesn't mean that uh, if there's bad behavior or things like that nature that you don't address it. However, it does mean. Uh, that uh, sometimes you got to reach into your own pocket and you got to help people. Just this happened to me just the other day. I was at I was at a filling station. I was filling up my car, and uh, a guy pulled up to the pump and he uh, he says, "Can I ask you a favor?" And I said, "What's that?" He says, "I need ten dollars for gas." And I said, "Okay." I said, "How much gas you got?" He says, "Well, I'm pretty much on empty." I said, "Put it in, fill it up." I stuck my my card in set it up i said fill up on me all right i think we need to do more of that Absolutely. you know now was I, what did i get scammed i don't know that's for him to take up with god uh i need to take up with god what i'm supposed to do when people come to me and they ask for help and that's what i try to do uh and i'm not saying that to draw attention to me i'm just saying it's something that happened about Four weeks ago, in fact. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Salvation Army. I want to even get into Christmas time. All right, back with us. Uh, the folks from Salvation Army are with us. Bill's here. He's commander uh, here in central Arkansas, and we're talking to him. That last half hour we did is just for you who don't know anything about the Salvation Army to give you some background on them. And uh, they do a lot of good things. I uh, willingly give money to them uh, and to help them out. I tithe to my church and I give to the Salvation Army. Salvation uh, Army are the people that I I work with uh, most uh, often whenever there's something that we're looking for to our group to, to help. Uh, I've been involved with Angel Tree for years and years and and other things as well. Well, let's let's continue our conversation with Bill a little bit. We kind of let you know that a lot of the homeless people that they deal with don't want to be homeless. Uh, they just and, and they're and they're looking for a hand up, and that's exactly what Salvation Army does. Uh, sometimes it's a, a lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's it's ignorance, and uh, many many times 
uh, they just don't know which way to turn. And uh, the Salvation Army can get them turned in the right direction and, and help them out. That's, yeah. And that's an important thing. And they show them the love of Christ. Absolutely. That's what's really important. Uh, they'll, share, they'll share the gospel with them uh, also. I mean, that's why I work with the Dorcas House and other people. This is the exact same reason. So um, how how big or how much has – and last, this is the last general question that I'll ask, and I want to get into the specifics of programs you got coming up. Uh, how big has the mental health aspect of this – grown just in the last few years it seems like in our country now people are starting to understand that there's people that got problems out there and need help yeah so the the biggest the biggest hurdle for most individuals that we deal with is mental health issues Um, you know we could get people back into housing we could get people we can help them get a job but if we don't if we don't help them get settled within their own minds within their own bodies they're going to be back homeless experiencing homelessness again they're going to end up not being able to keep a job Um, so that's why that's one of our big big um, uh, things that we're trying to tackle by having a mental health professional come in and help with counseling help with uh, navigating through insurance if they have insurance or whatever benefits that they may be able to have to be able to get uh, the medication or the counseling that's needed for them to move forward that's one of the big root causes uh, of people experiencing homelessness does there seem because you deal with Everybody, everybody. You're dealing with the people that are on the street, but you're, you know, to raise the money that you all need to help uh, a specific uh, area, you got to get to know businessmen, doctors, and all rest. Amongst the mental health uh, profession, are they understanding that maybe they need to do a little bit more pro bono work? You know, um, I I can't speak to that. I can speak to uh, a partnership that we have with Centers for Family and Youth, and they are the ones who are actually sending their health mental health clinician to our site. So we have a really good working partnership with them, uh, where it's it's free to us. It's free to uh, our clientele as well. So they are doing that uh, on their own. Because I know Brown University. we hear about around here and for their their mental health uh, students I think when they get to be seniors they require that they work with people at that point because they they know enough they understand enough that they can I mean they're they're only a few hours from going out and hanging their own shingle or whatever uh, that they can help people I I would like to see more and more uh, academic areas do that kind of stuff i don't know open up a clinic on your campus or something it would seem like a good thing to do yeah there and the need for it is only going to continue to grow as people continue to uh you know come through covid come through um it maybe even this recession people are going to be uh i only see that growing uh, over the next several years yeah it's tough all right bill let's talk about things that are coming up what's uh, what's happening in the next few months that you all are trying to do then we'll talk about what everybody knows about salvation army uh around thanksgiving after thanksgiving 
Thanksgiving, you start seeing the red buckets and you start hearing about Christmas and angels and all the rest of it. But I'm going to hold that to the last part of the show. Okay. Everybody knows about that. What don't they know that they need to know to help you guys out? Yeah, well, right now, before we even get months out, we are uh, in the middle of a campaign right now to help fund our emergency shelter and all the programs that go with it. It's called uh, Home for Christmas in July. Now, wait, wait are you telling me that you guys do more than just November and December, maybe January? <laughs> That's right. That okay. money that we, we raise, in the, it's for 365 days a year. We Absolutely. do not go. Uh, we do not go away, even though that uh, in front of the media and everything else, we fall off the face of the earth sometimes uh, we're here serving 365 days a year uh, so our emergency shelter right now we're raising money uh, for that to be able to continue that work and have the programs uh, wrapped around there for these ladies uh, last year we gave we, we provided over 2700 nights of shelter uh, we were not a big shelter but we are constantly full it's very rare that we have a night open and uh, so we're doing fundraising for that, Home for Christmas in July. And uh, really what the whole basis of that is, the people that we're working with right now, we want to have them housed by Christmas. And what a great uh, Christmas gift that would be for some of these ladies and families uh, to right there at Christmas being able to have their own apartment, their own house, and be sustainable uh, and not have to rely on people for the, and their generosity. But they can start moving forward uh, with their lives. So we're doing that right now. So so what's the yearly budget for the Salvation Army? How much money do you all need to keep those doors open and, and those beds available? Overall, just for our shelter, it's right at three-quarter of a million dollars to be able to run that every single year. Uh, and then our overall budget, including everything else that we do, is at $3.5 million. Wow. So that's of that's money that we have to raise every single year, and that comes from individuals and corporations. One of the biggest though fundraising times of the year is around Christmas. All right, absolutely. They always you guys hear that. I do know that over the last few years, it's been a, a little tepid. Uh, is that a nice word to use for it? Yes, sir. That's, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look it up. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know you know it's been a it's not. Uh, been the best of years for you all because a lot of people suffer because of covid and things of that nature that went on uh, are are you feeling like you were starting to make a comeback here but now got a recession you know staring you you know in the face yeah, we have seen a decline, and I think we'll continue to see a decline in the amount of money that's raised with um, with our kettles, and I think that's a bigger cultural issue right now. Uh, our biggest, our two biggest areas that we ring at and, and use to collect money, uh, Kroger and Walmart, uh, and uh, even myself, my wife now, we don't necessarily go in those stores anymore. We make our order online. They bring it mm -hmm. out to the car. So during Christmas, people aren't even walking by our kettles as much as they used to. Uh, people don't carry cash anymore. That's not unusual, and you hear that. Uh, I find myself saying that at times. Yeah. You know, to say, you know, they'll be ringing the bell and uh, the, uh, say, you know, they usually say something like "Merry Christmas" or something like that. And I said, I don't have any cash on me. Yeah, I don't even have any change on me, which is really bizarre. But uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, as far as having credit cards, is that something that you guys are looking to move into? 
Yeah, so we're doing a few things to really kind of help with that. Uh, one of those is is that we are getting corporate sponsors to help us with that. So you'll see that you'll have our logo there uh, with another uh, uh, corporation or company. They'll have that as a sponsoring that kettle. We also have QR codes. Those are becoming more and more. If you go right. into a restaurant now, you got to scan the QR code. So we're doing that. That'll take you to uh, PayPal and uh, uh, Apple Pay and uh, some of those uh, uh, cash apps yeah google pay or whatever that that you're using and that way uh if you don't have any cash on you then you can make a a donation directly and you know you know you don't have to worry about anybody stealing your data or anything uh and get your money over to the salvation army yeah it's a still it's a very safe way to be able to do that it's still on your device and uh, you're not having to type in your your uh, credit card or any kind of personal information you it's already set up there on your phone for you i know the united way used to do this uh, come out and talk to companies and try to get people to give and things of that nature is that something that you all are, are you following that kind of of a, of a philosophy as well? Well, we're partners with the United Way, so okay. when they do that, sometimes the Salvation Army will come and they'll be the guest speaker for that. And uh, if you're working for a company that does that, you can designate the money that you give to any specific uh, uh, organization that they partner with. So you could you could designate that for the Salvation Army or any other organization. Very good. Okay, so you've done you've done all of those things. All right, let's get our fa- our final break in. Then we'll come back and we'll talk to bill some more uh are they are they still doing the angel tree i'll tell you when we come back here on the uh, the dave ellswick show don't forget about uh, pat davis and uh, what he can do for you as far as your health insurance goes save you 30 to 50 percent and that's not chicken feed if you save 30 to 50 percent on your health insurance that's quite a bit of money to say the least perfect health plan if you happen to be self-employed you can choose any provider in the nation. There are no co-pays, and those deductibles are not like in the six, eight, or ten thousand dollar range. It gets up to ten thousand dollars. It's like I question whether you really need health insurance because you're probably not even going to talk, you know, be touching your health insurance anytime soon during the course of the year. But call Pat Davis, talk to him about this and how you can get health insurance that makes sense and saves you sense 501-605-69 at uh, 35 that's 501-605-69-35 and it's yourhealthplanman.com yourhealthplanman that's one word dot com bill and i've been getting caught up on this some great stuff and he was in louisville for a while and uh, his daughter went to U of L. And I was talking about, okay, so she must have been a big basketball fan. Because, look, when I talk about Louisville, I talk about Denny Crum, all right? That goes back before, before to Patino, okay? Just just know that. For you who are really basketball fans, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, that, you know, that's when uh, Kentucky had uh, Hall was over in Kentucky and yeah, he cheated all the time, and so you know I like I like Denny Crum. He wrote, he he ran a clean program over at Louisville, 
But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's kind of nice to know that about you, Bill. So we'll get along all right. That's right. That's, that's good. All right, so still got still got the angel trees. Are they still going, and, and are they as big now as they used to be? Yeah, it's still uh, something that's going strong. We have uh, Last year we had over 3,000 kids on our angel tree program. Wow. And uh, what that is is that uh, we take names and uh, we get all the information from these kids or the, from their uh, guardians. We put those angels out on trees, and we also do it online now where an individual can go and you can pick a child by age and the first name, and it'll list their clothing sides and a wish. Uh, you purchase those items, bring it back to us, and then we make sure that gets delivered to that family so that they have Christmas uh, gifts uh, on Christmas morning. Okay, so now I know that that's really important important that they have their gifts and things of that nature but here's what i know is also important it takes a lot of volunteers to make it happen oh my gosh yes. all right so if you got a sunday school class or you you're a life group or whatever uh when should they start contacting you to help you out with all of this so uh, we start setting up our angel tree is uh, usually in november um, so that, that that's ready to go. Uh, so anytime, September, October, we're starting to get into that, whether you want to volunteer to adopt an angel, whether you want to volunteer to ring a bell, which is a lot of fun if you're an extrovert. It's miserable. If you're, that. An, if you're an introvert, it's miserable. But for extroverts, <laughs> man, people almost have to stop and talk to you, so it's a yeah. great little thing to do. But you can check us out at our website, SalvationArmyCAAC.org, and you can find uh, a little volunteer tab there and and you can sign put your information in there and we'll get in touch with you all right c-a-a-c after salvation Salvation army Army, c-a-a-c central arkansas area command dot org okay so keep that in mind and um, look if it how old do you want the the kids your kids to be maybe to come over and sort toys and things of that nature high school for Angel Tree, uh, yes, sir. Uh, high school, being able to get your own transportation to and from. Uh, and then if they're a little bit younger than that, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, they need to be there. Work with, with you. So I'm just going to tell you, you should. that's something you should do with your, with your Sunday school group. If you're teaching a Sunday school group, it's a good way for them to get out and to put their hands and feet to, to work. Absolutely. And the same thing for the older kids, just because... They, they may see things that in no other way would they ever come in contact with it. I mean, we're, we're talking about a thirty to 50,000 square foot building, depending on what we can get, uh, that is absolutely slam-packed with bicycles and toys. Uh, it is just a sight to see. Um, you never want to be the first one in or the last one out, because as you're going in or walking out, one of those toys starts talking, and uh, you it. know you're the only one in that building. It's a little scary. All right. Just keep in mind, you know, that's good stuff. Do you need, do you need people, handymen, people to put those bikes together? We have a crew that comes in every year that helps with bicycles because they always come in the boxes we want to make sure that they're ready to go so we always need folks to be able to help volunteer put bikes together uh it's definitely not one of my strong points i always end up uh, with extra not my strong not, point it's not a good thing with me all right so let me ask one final question about that and then we'll go back just talking about salvation army a little bit and and that is a lot of people when they see the angel tree uh, or they go online now. I'm sure you're thinking a young kid. Let me tell you what. I'm gonna let me make a special appeal right now. There's a lot of 
middle school age and, and high school kid school age that want to have a Christmas just as much as everybody else does. Absolutely. And uh, you can really make a difference in one of those kids' lives. Yeah, and we see this all the time. Some of our volunteers will come back and they'll tell us, I was an angel tree kid. That's why I'm going to give back. That's wow, why that must be, be impressive for them. Absolutely, and, and just to be able to give back, uh, even if it's not monetarily, even if they can't go uh, buy toys, to be able to come and to help sort and to get everything lined up, it's a, it's a big deal. Okay. Is there a phone number people can call to volunteer? Do they need, do they need to do it by uh, calling uh, or by going online? Going online is the best way. Uh, I mentioned earlier we have 250 to 300 phone calls a day for uh, assistance, so it can be tough to get through to us uh, on, on uh, the phone. Uh, but SalvationArmyCAAC.org is the best way to go. There's a volunteer uh, a tab that you can do. There's different ways and different programs to donate to as well you can just work, look through there and and uh, find what you're looking for now, bill i i hope what little we've had time together has has helped i hope people will will think about going and uh, helping you all during the angel uh, tree time i'm sure that there's other times as well that you can use help correct we operate 365 days a year so yeah there is always uh, opportunities to be able to volunteer whether it be with the uh, uh, disaster services in the canteen or our, our morning food program our uh, all of those are, are run on uh, the backs of volunteers all right so keep that in mind again Sunday school classes, life groups, this is a good thing that you can do, and you can give back a little that you've had with uh, you know, what God has blessed you with, so to speak. And he's blessed us all with time. If you're alive, you've got time to do something good uh, with it. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you for having me. I think it's the first time that we've met. It is. How long, how long have you been here now? Since two, uh, 2002, or 2000, that had not been two, 2020. So I've been here for two years, but part of that now, was uh, I came in the middle of COVID. Yeah, right in the middle of COVID. Nobody wants to meet in the middle of COVID. I would have. It's <laughs> no big deal to me. But anyway, let me get you back on here in the near future. Absolutely. And uh, how, how are things going with the, the program that you're, you're trying to raise money for right now? Is it going all right? It's going well. We're right around $20,000 out of our $50,000 uh, goal. And, uh, again, if you go to SalvationArmyCAAC.org, there's a place there, Home for Christmas in July, $10 a night. Uh, $10 provides one night of uh, shelter for a resident. So, I mean, we're not asking for anything huge. Uh, you know, even that $10 makes a difference when everybody gives. Okay, you guys, understand $10. I asked 20 when we're talking about toys over at Toy Troopers in, in the uh, Saline County area. So I'm only asking you all of you to go in and donate $10 right now and, uh, you know, help them out. Really, seriously, help them out. If you can afford more, please afford more. Thanks, Bill. Thank Appreciate you. you. We'll have you back on. Sounds Seriously. Good. All right. I'm done for today. I'll be back in 6 a.m. in the morning. Hope to see you here. And uh, I got some different people I've asked to join me. Nobody has texted me back yet for 9 o'clock. So we'll find out. Bible guys will be in tomorrow. I know that. So uh, if you got a question for the Bible guys, it's bibleguys at salemlr.com. And... Uh, We'll have a couple of females in here, and the female 
uh, power panel in the morning as well. I'm Dave Ellswick. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.